Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of Groundbreakers. Today, we have Professor Kenichi Soga with us. He's currently teaching at UC Berkeley, and he previously taught at the University of Cambridge. Earlier this year, he was also inducted into the National Engineering Academy. And personally, to me, he's one of the most exciting, energetic professors I've ever had. And I took a few classes with him at Berkeley. And I think those two classes were not only theoretical, but also very application-based, especially CE 170A and 112. And I think those two taught me a lot. And today, he's here with us to share his experiences in the field, in the research world, and how he worked in the wireless monitoring system that's become so popular, and also now fiber optics. So thank you so much for coming today. And it's a pleasure to have you. Ritwik, thank you very much for this invitation. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. So the first question I have is, can you share some of the most transformative innovations that you've seen in the past few decades? And where do you see the field of geotechnical instrumentation or geotechnical engineering going in the future? Right. Well, geotechnical engineering is always transformative from my point of view. And that's why I like this subject. Obviously, uh, the soil mechanics started by bringing uh, sort of a soil into mechanics and having a mathematic background by Tautzagi. And then it transformed to many, many things like in-situ testing, doing testing in the field, get data from the field, looking at environmental geotechnics, looking at how do we deal with environmental issues, uh, energy geotechnics, how do we look at energy problems? So we always look at societal problems. And then the great thing about geotechnical engineering is that we keep on transforming every decade. And that's why I'm so excited. And then also uh, geo can be, we're always looking for the new uh, disciplines to be uh, developed. And that's why I think, I think it subject itself is transformative. Yeah, that's really great. And I think you kind of worked a lot in the wireless system in Cambridge and now in Berkeley, you were working a lot on fiber optics and you've got this research lab. So what are a few things that you're doing in that are revolutionary because the technologies are very unique. Uh, so how do you see them? Can you explain the technologies a little and how do you see them being used in the field as they mature? Yes. So, so uh, when I started geotechnical engineering, I was more of a modeler, constitutive modeler, uh, putting into a finite element because that was when the finite element was growing in geotechnical engineering. And at the same time, I started to realize that, oh, we've got to get a good data so that my model has some values. And that's where I start to look into different instrumentation. And about 20 years ago, I start to see what are the new things coming? And the first thing was computer vision. So yeah. I start to see computer vision coming. And then we did quite a lot on the how to create a structure from motion of a tunnel. How do you stitch the images together? And now you see this done at everyday engineering, geotechnical engineering practice. So that was quite amazing. I stopped doing that because it went to the practice. Next one, at the same time, I was looking at wireless sensor network because many of our colleagues in structure health monitoring were working on wireless sensor network. And so, so and it, there's a value because we always have problems putting wired system 
into the difficult access site. And geotechnical engineering is a very critical one that you tend to put wherever you want to do and sometimes it's very difficult. So I think I thought wireless will revolutionize that particular part and therefore we start working on how to uh, use the new generation of wireless system into civil engineering and geotechnical engineering practice. Now, initially it was very uh, battery hungry. We, we get to use a lot of battery easily, but then uh, many innovation happened in that space uh, because of the electrical engineering, computer science people were evolved, working on that. And then uh, and we see low power system, uh, long range devices. And now you can see some of the system can last for 15 years, 20 years with a single battery because it's so energy efficient. So, yeah. so, so that's where the revolution has happened and it became in practice. Yeah. So, so, so because you use certain sensors that you use in the past, you just, you just, just make it as a wireless. So, so it was easy transition. Yeah. The most difficult one is the fiber optic sensing that again started 30 to 20 years ago. But the point in fiber optics is now you start to get new data sets that you never seen. So, so cable gives you a lot of strain data that you never seen. And yeah. how do you use that data to make engineering judgment and decision-making is something that we being, it took 20 years right now. I'm not sure how long it will take from now on, Yeah. but it's gradually, but trying to showcase the value of that particular distributed nature of the data is taking more time than I thought, but uh, it's quite an exciting uh, sort of a time for us to see how it can be used uh, in everyday practice. Yeah, but I think that's great because currently also when we're developing the Incardio Next Generation Wireless, we're still talking about longer battery life and it's a lot to do with the electronics and it's not only about Incardio, but I feel like there's been so many companies that have come out of this and today we're installing 600 of these sensors in a tunnel and, and they're becoming so practical and the wiring and the cabling that used to get cut randomly on a site or used to be too expensive or too heavy to ship a lot of positive impact has been done and again with fiber optics i see that a lot on bridge monitoring is coming in a lot on levees people are thinking about putting it and we saw what you were doing in berkeley with the pipelines as well so i think the technologies are maturing and even fiber optics will one day would become more cost effective with the analyzers and really have an impact because like you said the data and the cable that's on the ground with distributed fiber optics is valuable and it's stuff that we haven't seen mm. so my next question is a bit more on the cambridge berkeley side so what do you what it so you worked at two of the best universities in the world and how do you like the atmosphere so working with different professors, working with some of the brightest PhD students, working, having those labs and those facilities. So how does that really empower you and and get you to do what you do today? Yeah, so, so I think I've been very lucky to have a great colleagues and great students. And every institution you go, probably you have the same people trying to find out who are the right sort of a colleagues to work with, who are the great students to work with and enthusiasm, and also trying to see what are the potential impacts that we explore together with the student and researchers. I'm not coming up with the new ideas. I always sort of talk 
and then talk to students, talk to researchers, but also talk to the people who are working in the everyday construction sites and also doing the engineering calculation and many ideas like the fiber optics. I didn't really come say, okay, I want to do fiber optics. Yeah. There was some person saying that, Kenichi, what do you think about fiber optics? And said, oh, okay, interesting. What can I do with it? So, so, so I think it comes into all these discussion during engineering, everyday engineering practice leads to that. The next step is to how to make that in used in practice. So that's where we all think together and work in the field, work in the lab, uh, doing the right engineering analysis. Often trying, you get tired by deploying it, but the most important part is what data you come. And uh, often the case, we get really interesting data and uh, we say, wow, this doesn't look right. And yeah. then you start discussing, and then when you look at it, actually, it is right. Wow. It just my conceptual understanding of how it behaves is different from my initially thought, and that enlightens yourself and say, okay, or and then try to say, wow, this is the actually the data that we can use to make engineering a judgment. So okay. so, and then leading to a better decision at the end. So it's really about. Uh, working together and I think I've been lucky at Berkeley as well as Cambridge that there was an atmosphere uh, like that. That's great and I think you stressed a lot upon data there and um, over the past few years I feel like even for me because I'm just 20 we've, we've gone from like using those USB pen drives then using Google Cloud, uh, Google Cloud or like Microsoft Cloud, and now we're using things like ChatGPT and machine learning models. So I think geotechnical engineering and civil engineering has also developed, and we've adapted to these technologies in tech. So how do you see things like machine learning, like robotics, like AI, of course, and maybe quantum computing coming in and impacting the field at large? Yes, so so so, I I feel great thing about that. I see exciting opportunities. At the same time, uh, what we need to be careful is that whatever we do will be long lasting for another thirty years, fifty years, hundred years. So so, how do you keep your data analytics techniques? How do you keep your data so that your next generation or next next generation will find it useful to be used? Yeah. And so, so in our time, we had big floppy disks, <laughs> became smaller and smaller, and then uh, it became like a pen drive. I remember when pen drive came and said, wow, my <laughs> wife brought it and say, my friend who is start to sell this and we can start make a lot of money out of it. But yeah. then it quickly it became practice and you don't have time to make money out of it. <laughs> but the, the point is that it's so quick, but at the same time, there may be some files that is in the pen drive that you're not using it because you can't use it anymore. Maybe yeah. the crowd will a sort of a, a, a sort of a cloud data set may break that. But then it's really about how to make sure that the data is passed to the next generations that we need to think about. And um, the other thing about data is that um, obviously data itself is useful, but then how do you do the data interpretation? So, so make sure that you do the date, right data interpretation and how do you keep that knowledge is 
uh, something that we need to think about too. Yeah, but I think that makes a lot of sense, preserving the data and also keep making sense of the data because there is so much data there. So let's circle back to fiber optics because I think we've been talking about it and a lot of our viewers who haven't seen it in the geotech field or in the context we're talking about, think of fiber optics as the cable that goes into the Wi-Fi or a deep beneath the sea transferring data across the planet. So can you explain it a bit on um, in the civil engineering field, how it's being used and also a few advantages of the distributed fiber optic system versus the traditional fiber brag sensors and and also the advantages of using the fiber brag over the distributed because each one has an advantage and disadvantage. Sure, sure. So 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 in both fiber brag grading and distributed, uh, and even in fiber brag grading, if you have lots of data, you get what we call distributed uh, strain data or distributed system, and when I saw 20 years ago, I said, this is great because geotechnical infrastructure like piles or retaining walls, they are exposed to distributed load. Yeah. So the, the stresses are distributed and therefore distributed strain makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, if you have a concrete column and then all the load is just coming from the top and the bottom, you have a constant strain and therefore you can put one sensor and then you get that strain or load over there. But because ground is distributed load, for me, having a distributed data made sense to me. And so, so that's why I was trying to see, showcase that if you get that data, you may be able to use that data for a geotechnical design and assessment of the performance. Now, the, um, the difference between uh, fiber brag grading and distributed, ball, uh, distributed one used to be different in a sense that FBG was a little bit more, okay, you get the point strain very accurately in a very fast way, and therefore we go for FBG. Obviously the uh, interrogator is much simpler and therefore cheaper, and then it can, and therefore it commercialized faster. And you see most of the product are FBG based. Uh, but then uh, for me, distributed one made also sense because actually your cable can be kilometers and you get lots of data, yeah. which um, the, the if you're going for maybe 50 data sets, maybe FBG, if you in include the integrator, it makes more sense economically. But if we start to have more uh, data sets, one single line with infinite number of data sets with the little bit more expensive integrator. Of course, we're trying to make it as cheap as possible. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, sort of uh, attractive in terms of uh, getting to know the performance of our infrastructure for long distance. And sometimes you don't want to have one line. You want to have lines, many, many lines across the cross-section of your piles or retaining wall to understand your bending or other part of the uh, deformation. So, so for me, having different cables aligned in a different direction, and also it gives you more engineering thinking of where do you want to put your fiber so you can get the strain a distribution or engineering data set that you want. So it's a little bit intellectually challenging as well. 
Yeah. So that's why both are good. <laughs> I think both are good. And I think, well, like you said, if you want to, then the Linus is stuck with me, like fiber, distributed fiber optics is like the nervous system of the body. And with the technology maturing, I think now, I think geotechnical engineers are lucky, especially the ones working in the field of monitoring, that they have so many options to work with, like satellite monitoring, distributed fiber, fiber brand, traditional sensors, different kinds of wireless uh, data logging, via data logging if they want, fast-paced data logging. And I think the whole community now is inventing globally, and that's really having an impact on the way we even view infrastructure as it ages and construction as it's happening. So coming back to... um, for our broccoli viewers, what are some uh what some advice you would give to a young kid who's interested in geotechnical engineering or and also to like a PhD student coming in on how they like what are your thoughts on the whole education process to make in it terms of, yeah so so yeah. I think um infrastructure engineering and construction there's a new <laughs> hype in terms of the technology can be utilized to transform construction or infrastructure right now. Um, I think it was a more difficult uh, sort of area to implement innovation. But then I think the other areas have perfectionized in a certain way. We're now moving to more difficult ones. But then uh, construction industry can benefit from that. So, So I think there's a great opportunities um the what we want to do in our classes is to show the excitement and uh, i think in the past the technology was too expensive to be implemented but now uh ultimately the technology that we do is about savings so so when you use your smartphone the reason why you use your smartphone is because you can communicate quickly you can uh, do something quickly so you're saving your time to yeah. make it happen. So because you only have 24 hours every day. So so you become more effective in the way that you like to do. So you can spend your other time with something that you like to do. And I think in infrastructure, exactly the same thing. There's no big market that increases because ultimately governments and the others are saying this is the amount of money that you need to spend for maintaining our infrastructure so so if we can make 10 percent savings it makes a big sense because now you can maintain your other infrastructure more so so the market is not really trying to make a bigger market it's about creating a savings market and by doing that it becomes more efficient and then are more effective in how we maintain our infrastructure or we construct the infrastructure. So, so therefore things are, uh, there be more financial savings. Yeah. And therefore you have a better system. Yep. And- so I think that's how we should look at it. And then I think the technology perhaps is helping to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think technology gives financial savings, adds a lot of value. Like you see stuff you don't see. It assists humans in being better in some ways and also makes our work a lot easier. So I think I remember a few incidences from 170. We talked about spot and like how now you're putting a LIDAR on spot and sending it into tough environments that humans couldn't go to. We saw drones 
they've been used for serving and for a long time and now <clears throat> you can actually get millimeter level accuracy with RTK. And then we talked about fiber optics, of course. We talked about the wildfire evacuation simulations that we were doing with machine learning. And then we also talked about the car tracking and transportation with the machine learning cameras. So I think that the technologies are being utilized in many, many ways. And if we think of an idea as young engineers, it's, I think, great that we have advisors like you to help us build those products and actually see them become a reality. And if our ideas aren't like really, really super, you guys can help us make them super with your experience. Yeah. yeah. So my last question to you would be, um, as a young child, were you always interested in civil engineering or what, what sparked your interest in the field? Yes. So I think I was interested in how the city works, how people works around the city. I was interested in geology. I think I was quite interested in the uncertainty of how things are going hmm. in the everyday life and then how to deal with that and then making engineering judgment and making decisions. So in a way that I think I enjoy the uncertainty and then trying to see how we can deal with that so i think that's where i got interested and that's why geotechnical engineering is a great one because the ground is always uncertain yeah when you look at cities you want to optimize the city but you never can do that because there's so many people thinking in a different way and then it's chaotic in a sense but then you see some features that it's unique that maybe you can do something to make the everyday everyday life easier and at the same time, uh, geotechnical engineering as well as cities, that there are always some uncertainty affected by natural disaster, for example. So yeah. these are really what we call tail end problems. Hmm. So so many of the AI or something that we're really used to everyday life to average things. Yeah. But I was always interested in the extreme events. But then you can do some statistical analysis of that. But at the same time, you never can predict what's going to happen. And therefore, for example, when we what enjoyable, which perhaps the current AI cannot do, is to deal with this really tail end problems. Yeah. And the tail end problems really come from your engineering, a sort of a skills, engineering, feeling of how should be done. And your engineering education gives you not just a design of engineering average things, but then how you deal with tail end. So when you're in that situation, you have a lot of choices, but you can make a good judgment. And so you make a right decision. And that's where I think is a quite interesting uh, area. And maybe that's why I was interested in becoming a civil engineer. Yeah. I think thank you for that because I think that just sums it up really well. And for a lot of young civil engineers, I think that's a very in inspiring snippet of the podcast if you go back and hear it as well, because it's talking about uncertainty. It's talking about making the right choices and the impact you can have as a civil engineer on the larger world. And it's also, I see it's a lot of passion. Like it's like you love what you do and um doing those extreme things that even AI and its current capability might not be able to do is what makes us still add value to society. 